I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. Here's the fangirls on Jackalope Radio. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the special Star Trek edition of Fangirl Radio. I am your host, Jessica Dwyer, and with me tonight is the lovely and talented Rachel Moore. Beam me up, Jessica. There, that was my beam up noise. <laughs> We're cheap on this show. <laughs> uh, and, and speaking of our engineers, um, with me as always is the lovely and talented Todd. Oh lordy, now I'm lovely and talented engineer. <laughs> I guess she cannot take it, Captain. She's gonna blow. I was denying lithium crystals, Todd. Uh, yes. So that was my horrible Scottish accent. <laughs> um, but t- tonight is nothing, uh, there's nothing horrible about tonight. Tonight we are actually going to have a special guest on to talk about a very, um, very amazing looking documentary um, that talks about the history and influence of one of the most iconic science fiction television series in the history of television. And that is, of course, Star Trek. Um, and the person behind this documentary is the son of Gene Roddenberry, who uh, created Star Trek and um, Majel Barrett Roddenberry who was part of the the series from the beginning and is forever and always going to be the voice of the computers of all the starships in my mind. Um, Rod Roddenberry has created um, this wonderful documentary called Trek Nation that is going to premiere on science on the 30th of November and Trek Nation is kind of a it's very interesting documentary in that it not only follows the history of the show and its influence on pop culture, which we know is amazingly huge, um, but it also follows how Star Trek changed, like not only um, the lives of people that love it, uh, but it also influenced government and, and science, inspired um, many of the people that uh, have gone on to create some of the biggest advances in science over the last few years um, and decades to go into those fields but it also follows Rod as he learns what what an um, just a just a beautiful thing his father created in the show and what it did um, he himself said I didn't know until after my father was gone really how much Star Trek touched the lives of so many people and um, it really did uh, one of the things that um, uh, that I take away from fandom 
and Rachel, you can tell me if this is something that you see and Todd, you as well, but one of the things I take away from fandom is the fact that people who, um, not just sci-fi fans, but horror fans and you name it, you, you will latch on to something that means a lot to you and it, it gives you something to aspire to and influences you in a, in a positive way. And that's why I'm, I'm such a proponent of um, things like Star Trek, um, which is such a positive influence in people's lives, um, and Star Wars as well. But Star Trek really was the first. That was the biggie. And that's why, to this day, you it's still one of the biggest things in, in the genre. Um, and why, you know, how he, uh, what Rod is, sees in this as he goes through and um, records these interviews with fans and, and talks to them um, is something that I'm, I'm reminded of um, back at a convention that I was at um, where I was sitting with a, a person and um, one of the guests and a gentleman came up and he talked to him. It took him a little bit. He was like in the background and came up and he was talking to this guy about how uh, when I came home from from a, d a day that you know my life sucked, I had this crappy job. No one no one really gave two craps about me, and I could always come home and you'd be there to keep me fighting. And that's what I see this stuff doing, especially Trek. It gives people something to aspire to and gives people something to look to. And not only that, but that the the world that Roddenberry created. And that future is something we all want. Yeah, I think that um, there's there's two parts of fandom, and especially Star Trek fandom, that I, I think are kind of key. And the first is, specifically with Star Trek, is that Gene Roddenberry took something that, at the time, there had been space operas before. And the original idea was that it was another Western set in space. And he took it, was... it and made it amazingly relevant. Um, picking up hot um, political, socioeconomic, um, racial issues and putting them in context to the show seamlessly. And they continued that through all the series. And I think that is something that, um, you know, having a purpose beyond just a, a, an entertaining show, uh, it, well, kinda, the, it raised the bar. Well, the thing with... with with science fiction is it's a great tool for writers and people like uh, one of the biggies was Rod Serling using the the cover of genre to sneak in things that would never see the light of day on TV sure. Sure. and um, Trek got away with that especially like it, the first interracial kiss right was Star Trek and um, that was Uhura and Kirk mm -hmm. and that and and that was a big deal I mean yeah. that was never been seen before and the fact that he had the multiracial crew, you had the the mixed raced um, Mr. Spock, and yeah. then you had uh, the the you know like Nichelle Nichols talks about in some other um, any some other documentaries about Star Trek how Martin Luther King came up to her and told her you have to do this. Look what yeah. you're doing for a sister. Look what you're doing. You're up there with these the the the. Uh, the men and you're up there representing us you're a beautiful black woman and you're doing it and um that was you know she's like that was the biggest deal of my life you know that yeah. i got to have that happen 
Well, and, and the other por- portion is just that, um, you know, it is really something people latch on to it kind of across the board. And uh, I was just watching that documentary, The Captains, the William Shatner mm. do- documentary, and he was speaking with Scott Bakula. And he said when Trek was on, he was in, originally, he was, um, well, not originally, but when it first hit the big reruns, he was in college. College. And he said no matter where he was, whether they were at the bar, wherever in the fraternity, everything stopped and they watched those. And he well, said the math nerds, the jocks, everybody came together and watched it together. And, um, you know, I, I grew up with a guy who was a huge Star Trek fan, really um, shy guy, painfully shy guy, really nice guy. And what he had was Star Trek. And it's been really kind of vindicating uh, to him in the last few years just to have so many people um, publicly embrace it, you know, because especially when we grew up, it wasn't the cool thing to be into. But once you start past that, oh, you're a Trekkie, everybody loved it. Well, and and like like we were saying about the the storylines and things like that, you had Harlan Ellison writing episodes (laughs) of this show. You had DC Fontana and and just you know some of the storylines were so amazing like uh city on the edge of forever is the one everyone remembers which is the one with um uh joan collins and and the going back through time and that was i believe that was ellison wrote that yeah that was Um, harlan ellison and um you know those are some iconic episodes that everyone knows like you know the big funny deal is oh you can name every episode of star trek like the um like in free enterprise which is a great Mm -hmm. film if you haven't seen it but um the the one that I always remember too, which you know, this is where they sneak in those little plot lines, is the the episode with Frank Gorshin, where the war between the this plant on this planet is happening because, well, he's white on the left side and I'm white on the right side. Don't you see the difference? You know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It, it just pulled, you know, showed the idiocy of of racism. Well, and to me, the Roddenberries are are unique in that it wasn't just, oh, I have this platform where I get to do what I love and I can sneak this stuff in, but the Roddenberry Foundation is amazing. Um, and that's such a legacy to leave behind. With Rod Roddenberry, even before he realized what Trek really was, influenced to, he, he's a great astronomer. You know, he's done a lot of amazing things. Diving and, and uh, in the, you know, econ- the ecology thing and, and all of that. They work on everything. Um, I was just telling um, my husband that um, they they just opened a stem st- cell yeah. research facility. In Gladstone, yeah. Yeah. And um, on top of that, they work in the third world. You know, all the things that really um, Star Trek embodies in the Federation and what they try to do, they're involved with. Um, it's, it's really... Um, it's really neat, and it's really a great way to give back to all the fans and all the people who, like you said, it makes you want to be a better person. And right, and and he's living up to what his father created with the show, and and that that future is what he's trying to make happen, and and that's something we should all aspire to, and it's it's just a a neat legacy for him to leave you know to keep leading on that his father left behind and major left behind mm-hmm. um to to keep that going i mean what other show had a a space shuttle named after its own ship <laughs> you know i mean it come on it's, 
it, there's just some and and you have all of these Star Trek, um, uh, you know, it's, and it was before Star Wars, and that was one of the things that stood out to me on um, seeing some of the clips from the sh- the the doc was um, George Lucas up there talking about how it was the the first, you know, what it set up, and there yeah. would have been basically there would have been no Star Wars without Star Trek. I mean. No. It really set or Battlestar Galactica or Oh God, no. Yeah. I mean none of that would have came if it hadn't been for Trek. The only one that could compare in length of life is Doctor Who and Trek is actually, you know, you know, this is something for me to say, but Trek is bigger than Doctor Who. It's sure. it's it's something even people that never watched a single episode of it know who Mr. Spock is. Right. Right. How many shows can say that? And then, um, you know, Shatner. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, Mr. Spock, and I just got the Bilbo Baggins song stuck in my head. Oh, God, Wait. why did you bring that up? <laughs> it just happened. Like, no. I had to, all right. We'll, no. we'll forget that ever happened. But, um, I mean, you know, and the same with, with um, Captain Kirk, you say the wor- that word. It, it's, it's worked its way into everything. So, you know, Trek is, is just massive. And um, I I think it's going to be neat to see Rod showing all the different parts of of just the in the world in general that it's touched and and influenced. I mean, one of the big things to me was the tech aspect of it. Um, if you go back and watch that sh- watch old episodes, you see the pads and things like that. Well, now hell, we all have one. Like yeah. I have an iPad, right. and right there is my tricorder i mean that the 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 technology that it saw beforehand is 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 coming true which is pretty amazing i mean yeah. it's it's a great it, it influenced so much and like i said you have i i know if you look and you um talk to these a lot of nasa guys the guys that that are in charge of sending people to space now they got into those fields because of Star Trek. My my husband's a astrophysicist. The reason he did that is because he was a big Trekkie when yeah. he was growing up. Yeah. Well, it, and, it it's really amazing just the development of the show because I was um, I've been watching Netflix has all the has Star, all of them all of them up, including the pilot <laughs> with the um, with the pre with a uh, pre uh, William Shatner and a very laughing Spock which is oh, well, really Spock was just weird in that yeah. pilot. <laughs> I don't well, quite really, know what they were what's, what's really great about it though is that and they talk about this in the captains because I just watched that it's like fresh in my mind about how when Shatner came in and they recast it and they had this chance you know because the pilot fell flat they talked a lot um Gene and the cast about look we're going to have fun with this it's going to we want to do a serious you know space opera but we need we need to have something sly and funny and hip instead of a lot of the slapstick comedy that got thrust in the middle of you know Buck Rogers and all the other shows (laughs) that were going on at the time so um you know, if you watch them, you know they're they they are dated. They're very much something made in the '60s. Well, and, and but don't they're forget still clever and and they're still great to watch. Well, and the other thing that was a big deal too was the fact that you know Majel was the the first officer mm-hmm. in that episode in that first episode. Oh yeah, because she you know and that was setting it up 
of course you had the yeoman rands and and that kind of thing and afterward that were kind of sexist but um not in a horrible way it still showed that women were in in space and were working and and part of it um but yeah that was a big deal the first officer was a was a woman yeah and uh but and i think it was was it jeffrey jeffrey chandler was that who that was Jeffrey Hunter, Jeffrey Hunter was okay. Cat Christopher Pike, um, and that was a big deal to recast that guy because he was an actual movie star. Yeah, no, he was huge, especially at the time, and um, he he was just so serious. I think I, in, I, in right. Of everybody, you know, at the the last scene, I think of that um, pilot or near the end, they're all sitting around the captain's chair and they have a good laugh (laughs) which is really disconcerting especially because Spock kind of leads it but (laughs) the captain looks so uncomfortable you know (laughs) well and and it's kind of funny it's kind of funny I don't know if you've if you've seen it but um uh if you go online just kind of an off not quite off subject but if you go online the original um actress that they had cast to be Catherine Janeway was Genevieve Bujold. Mm-hmm. And they actually have footage of her as Catherine Janeway on, on YouTube and you can find it. Um, it and you want to talk about awkward. <laughs> no. Oh boy. Um, there is a reason why Kate Mulgrew is awesome and no, no slam to be Genevieve Bujold, but she just didn't get what, Trek. I don't. I. I either it just right didn't click for the right part. You know. Right. I think. You know. It's, it doesn't mean you're a bad actress or anything. It just means it wasn't where. You're no. It. It. To, it was not. It was not for her. And um, that's one of those things that you. You. When you see it, you'll be like, Oh, this would have. This wouldn't even lasted a season. If, you know what's if, fascinating. I. I just watched. Um, I was watching Kate Mulgrew on that documentary and I've never watched much of Voyager. I've seen it here and there. Well, I've watched a lot of Voyager, but never in order and never in any kind of, you know, intentional way. Like I have the other series and um, wa- watching her give her interview and her thoughts on Trek makes me want, now I have to go and watch all of Voyager because I fell in love with her. Voyager has probably one of the best um, Star Trek two-parters ever. And um, it's called The Year of Hell. Oh, and yeah. it is excellent. And um, it's it's just, and it shows Janeway just being a complete badass. And um, you, you think her you, husband told me about those episodes in full, so I feel like I've seen them, but I don't think I've actually seen yeah, them. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, we, we're a Trek house, you know. And yeah. also, by the way, if you guys, um, you out there listening, if, if you want to get into Star Trek right now, Netflix has everything yeah. up for streaming including the cartoons which is uh really cool and um they they uh the cartoons are actually considered some of the better written uh episodes surprisingly they actually won an emmy i think for the cartoon series um so be sure to check those out too don't be put off by the fact that they're kind of um skippy filmation um animation they actually have the original crew voicing most of the characters and uh there's some really good stuff in there, and Harry Mudd comes back in one of the episodes <laughs> and stuff like that. But um, it's good stuff, um, you know. And, and like I, like I said, the the Star Trek is one of those things that 
if we really wanted to talk about it in depth, it would take probably five episodes of us to, to really get even scratch the surface. Without even um, touching the movies. Not even touching <laughs> the movies, not even touching the many, many novels that are out there. Um, not even touching on the reboot on all the episodes that uh, you know have gone on and on and um, it, it's kind of funny my my husband is has been working his way through each series kind of jumping around he he went from Enterprise which um, was Scott Bakula Scott Bakula he went from Enterprise to Voyager to or I think he went kind of back watching skipping around Next Generation again to deep space nine and he's got a new appreciation for deep space nine because um he he didn't really remember a lot of it i remembered more of it than he did and um towards the end of the show barring the the finale which i won't even get into why i didn't like but um the whole dominion war thing was some epic tv there was some good stuff so um i would say uh check out if it's worth eight dollars a month to be able to access all of those on demand um just to to get up to if you haven't watched star trek you should i don't know why you have the whole family can watch it really is that was like our family thing is we would watch whatever incarnation of star trek was on and that's kind of why deep space nine is in some ways not my favorite but it's my favorite because that's what my dad and i always watch together well and and also um like we said star trek has going for it a great morality um if you want to teach her and it's not necessarily uh, a religious thing if that's if that kind of makes you go "Eh." but what star trek has is a great morality about the human condition and human spirit and going out there and being a good person and doing right and um bettering yourself and going out there and exploring and um you know being decent to your fellow man and and like the first episode of star trek the next generation was about john luke picard going up against a fairly godlike being and in, in the form of q and defending humanity and um that that is what it basically is about is humanity going out and becoming better than what it it started out as and trying to better itself and and being amazing kind of like i you know as i've said before about doctor who that's good sci-fi good sci-fi to me is talking about mankind being better and doing going out there and venturing into the in the stars and discovering things and and yeah. being amazing well, and i think that star trek um you know, my my one complaint, <laughs> if I was going to be as a critic, is that sometimes they do that. That takes over the show. But they're, Star Trek at the at its best are those times when they have Q or those times where they have, um, you know, there's all sorts of things that come up that they manage to balance perfectly a really compelling sci-fi story with um, really meaty. Uh, commentary yeah applicable commentary and so you know i think some of the some of the incarnations are better at balancing it than others but it i think they're all worth the watch and you'll find your favorite (laughs) totally and it like i said that if you are worried about your child being scarred for life by it don't be unless of course you're talking about the ear maggot 
scene in Wrath of Khan, which to this day has made uh, me want to cry in my sleep at night after I found or, out. Or any of the Cardassian food. Any Cardassian uh, food. Or, or <laughs> you know, the blood pudding or whatever the freaking Klingon is eating. The food, okay, we won't talk about the food. Don't let them <laughs> see food in Star Trek. You're okay. <laughs> you know, um, it's interesting because you were talking about technology that we have now. I was thinking about those 3D printers we have. And, oh, um, totally. They just came out with a 3D printer that prints in cake. And prints in cake? Yeah, and so it does food replication, basically, but only desserts. But they're saying they're hoping to have them be able to do different oh, kinds of food. Oh, in the my fire. God. So indicators <laughs> are like a thing now. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And I mean, yes. that's the thing. That, that's one of the greatest MacGuffins of Star Trek is the food, food replication. Yeah, why, 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 do you, why can't you replicate weapons if you can replicate a rock to Gino, you know, kind of thing? Right, right. So, but um, we're going to go and get Trevor Roth, who is the producer of Trek Nation here in just a moment on the phone. And uh, Trevor has uh, been a part of, of the Roddenberry um, Foundation as well as he's created some great cartoons, helped create a great cartoon called Jeans Journal on the, the Roddenberry website. Um, COO and head developer at Roddenberry um, Inc. Amazing, amazing person. Yeah, and, and um, somehow we managed to get Trevor on Black Friday <laughs> to come talk to us about this this documentary. And uh, We're changing the name me. to Flim Girl Radio. Flim Girl, that is not okay. <laughs> not okay. So, um, everyone, this is Trevor Roth, and Trevor is producer of Trek Nation, which premieres on Science on the no- on November 30th, and uh, we want to thank you for coming on the show tonight. And uh, Trevor, first of all, I, I want to ask, how did you become involved with the Roddenberry Foundation um, in the beginning, and how it led to this for you? Uh, well, I've actually known the Roddenberry family for a very, very long time. Um, the uh, their son, who is my business partner, Rod Roddenberry, um, and I went through puberty together, <laughs> and uh, we figured, you know, from there we should definitely get in business together. So, um, you know, natural. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course, uh, anyone you go through that with. Uh, no, I, but we had we had actually <laughs> we had actually known each other since we were thirteen, and um, you know, after a a decade and a and a past career in life in the world of advertising. Um, you know, it was around the time that uh, Rod started to sort of pick up the family mantle, if you will, and uh, and we realized that we, um, you know, had a fantastic brand in Roddenberry that we felt we could bring, you know, uh, into, you know, a new generation of, of, of science fiction and, um, you know, the foundation and Roddenberry Entertainment and all the stuff we do here and kind of continue that legacy that was left to us by, uh, by the late Gene Roddenberry, of course. And uh, so the uh, what I, I kind of took from this documentary is it's very personal for Rod and for everyone involved to kind of go back and, and see the progression of this little show that didn't even last for four seasons um, and became this worldwide phenomena. I mean, how, how was that personally for you and for, Jean, uh, for Rod to, to go through this? You know, it's it's so funny because, uh, and I'm sure every question you ask me tonight, at least about Trek Nation, I'll answer in two different ways because um, I've known the family for so long and Rod for so long that 
in many ways, it was even personal to me. And at the same time, of course, I can put my producer hat on and, and kind of talk about it from that perspective. From from a personal standpoint, though, it was amazing. Um, you know, first, you know, for me even, uh, and for Rod as well, you know, Gene, when I knew him and when and, and for, from what Rod, you know, tells me when he knew him, really, he was, you know, Gene Roddenberry's dad, or for me, Rod's dad. Um, so during the days that he was still around, uh, he wasn't that great bird of the galaxy to us. He wasn't the guy who created Star Trek. He was, you know, either dad or my friend's father. Um, when it came to, however, Gene passing, uh, you know, there sort of was this, you know, flurry of understanding that he was much, much more than just that. And it was only later in life, you know, when we started the documentary that Rod decided to kind of really find out, you know, who was this person? Uh, why was it that um, so many people showed up to his memorial that Rod, you know, didn't know? Uh, you know, what was this phenomenon that he had created and the influence that it had left behind? Because to us um, and to Rod, I know, uh, you know, he just, uh, he, he, he didn't understand, you know, what it was all about at the time. And I think that that's what Trek Nation is. It's really, truly a very personal exploration um, of something that, you know, people know about in a variety of different ways from a variety of different perspectives. So it was fantastic and, and yes, very personal uh, and yet very universal because it's really, you know, about a, a son, you know, learning about his father. That's great. Rachel, you have a question? You know, I, I, I've been... Um following the development of this but I I have to ask just because I wanted to say thank you to you and the Roddenberry um, Foundation for the recent donation for the Stem Cell Biology and Medicine Center that's fantastic and uh, I I I was curious when you as a foundation are looking to do things, how much of that is tied into the Roddenberry family and their personal um, their personal causes and what they feel is expected from people who identify with Star Trek. Are those separate things or is, or is it just kind of seeing a need where it's at? Uh, no, I would actually say, you know, the greatest thing about the foundation and everything that we do is it's really, really organic. Uh, the whole process itself is not necessarily about what expectations for us are, but it's always about what we feel is necessary and should be done. And, you know, that goes back to Gene himself, who, you know, was really putting his own ideas into Star Trek so long ago mm. and kind of utilizing it as a voice box, if you will. And, uh, and that translates right down to uh, the donation you spoke about uh, just recently to the Gladstone Institute, where... Um, the Roddenberry Foundation is playing a part in making that Star Trek world, that future that we dream of, more of a reality today. And the same thing goes into the Roddenberry Entertainment properties that we work on now, um, as well as Trek Nation. Trek Nation itself is an homage to the idea that, you know, what's most interesting about us is us. Uh, and what better homage to pay to a man who, you know, proselytized that, if you will, through the show, hmm. then to turn the looking glass back on Gene and say, you know, how was he human? What person was he, you know, in this planet on this, on this, you know, ball that's running around our solar system? Um, and what influence did he leave 
to the rest of us. And I think that uh, from that standpoint, it really is such a joy because it's organic to what we want to do and to what we should do. Well, and it's one man's influence, how he has reached beyond so much with just this one idea. And I think that's one of the things that people take away from Star Trek, especially is just one, uh, you know, this man created this and look what it spawned. You know, like I, I pointed out earlier in the show, how many TV series has have a space shuttle named after the ship in the show? You know, it's it's a, it, it's no, you're absolutely right. It's truly fantastic. The the you know the arms that Star Trek has had and how it's infiltrated our our culture and our society. Before joining Roddenberry, I never realized how often I would hear you know a term or a phrase or a reference or whatever it is to Star Trek in so many different pieces of entertainment and news and, you know, discussion, and it, it truly is everywhere. It's a phenomenon, you know, among phenomenons. Well, um, one of the things I wanted to ask was, um, I know that you, you all went in and you talked to many, you talked to fans, you talked to people that were uh, part of the show, influenced by the series. What What one story kind of stood out to you in terms of, wow, we can't believe that this did this for this person. Wow, um, God, there are so many fantastic stories. And to be honest, one of the most difficult things about Trek Nation was the fact that we couldn't fit them all in. Um, and uh, and that was really hard to, to kind of end up deciding and, and working with the editors and science themselves to kind of figure out, what was going to end up on the cutting room floor and what was going to end up in the show. So um, the great thing is that the DVD, you know, extras will be fantastic. <laughs> I was going to um, say, that's what DVD <laughs> is for. That's the awesome Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, one of the most amazing things I would say in that regard, you know, had to do with, with uh, you know, meeting and getting to talk to George Lucas. Um, you know, it was a truly amazing thing. It was funny. We, we went in of course, talking about the Star Trek versus Star Wars kind of a situation. Um, and funny enough, uh, Rod, you know, throughout his childhood was a huge, huge fan of Star Wars, as, as was I, and not so much into Star Trek, in fact, <laughs> at the time. And, um, and so getting to talk to George Lucas, though, who is not only, you know, uh, a creator of something enormous in the science fiction category, but almost, you know, one of the few people who could have, sort of stood next to Gene Roddenberry and understood him in a way that many, many people can't from a very iconic uh, sensibility was really an amazing thing. And for him to say um, things to the effect of, you know, if it weren't for Star Trek, I don't know that Star Wars would have been, you know, possible, uh, is an amazing thing just to hear. And it gives you such an, a large amount of pride in what Gene was able to accomplish and, and the legacy that hopefully we continue on a day-to-day basis. Well, that's great. Um, and we, we were saying that, too. I mean, it, it really did build the groundwork for everything that came after it. I mean, you had Lost in Space, but you did not have a seri- like a super serious type of a show like this that really got into the meat of like racial stereotypes and and breaking them open and and creating something like that and i think that was really one of the big things that star trek did was talk about um you know racism and and kind of beating it about its head and shoulders and 
It's been fantastic. I mean, the, the, to understand all of the barriers that, that Star Trek was able to break through is, is amazing. And absolutely, you know, um, from everything from, you know, Nichelle Nichols um, and, and even uh, in the very first episode, uh, very first pilot, The Cage, which many people may not know about, but you'll learn a little bit more about in Trek Nation, um, there was a, a woman second in command. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah. of the Enterprise, and, and of course, uh, as you guys probably know over there, um, you know, that was an amazing thing to, to try and accomplish. It didn't actually end up working even for Gene, but, um, you know, he, he really did believe in breaking those boundaries, and, uh, and I think you're right. He paved a lot of what science fiction is from a mass audience standpoint today. I mean, even, you know, I, I was earlier listening to um, your wrap-up of Comic-Con, um, which I love, by the way, the Bicking incident. I can't believe you were that close to it. <laughs> the Bicking. I, I, oh, my God, you called it the Literally, I, I, I was like, oh, my God, she was there, you know, <laughs> party history. Oh, that, um, that was terrifying, by the way. I found out about it by Twitter, even though I was like five feet away. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it had never happened before, to be honest. But, um, you know, I mean, but, you know, but anyway, it was, it was, yeah, I was, I was all excited that you were even part of that. Um, but anyway, my point was going back him. to my point. <laughs> my point was that sometimes I do even walk around uh, Comic Con and think, you know, the very first Star Trek convention of which, by the way, we were able to gain some footage of that's never been shared for uh, Trek Nation. Um, so I hope you, you're able to see that. It's so awesome. Um, but you know, it may not have happened had a Star Trek convention never occurred. Um, and so it is amazing, you know, I mean, who knows, butterfly effects, all that kind of thing, I suppose. But to some extent, I do think, look, you know, you're walking around Comic-Con, there's a quarter of a million people here loving all kinds of science fiction. And, you know, Star Trek was a very early pioneer, if not a starter, of, of you know, how this all came about. Um, and, and that alone is just amazing. Well, we were talking uh, last week... Uh, about how Star Trek, um, how many shows had a successful few seasons and then decades later come back with such a full force and now Mm -hmm. we have more feature films reimagining everything and there's not many shows out there that stand the test of time like that and it really is so ingrained in our culture now that um, it's not something, I mean, to me, we're all super geeked about the documentary. <laughs> we've been we've been stalking everything online. And, uh, wow, that's so, like yeah. gives me my first quasi stalker slightly. I yeah, mean, yeah. I'm just a Good job, it, you know, the lowly producer. <laughs> but I think this is as close as I'm going to get to having a stalker ever in my life. So, well, I'm very it's excited. it's actually funny because she said, "Oh, we're having Trevor Roth on the show," and the first thing I said was, "Oh my gosh, he created Jean's journal." <laughs> so yeah, a little bit of a star. She knew you. Uh, that, I love you. You're my favorite person you. in the whole world. Don't tell my wife. Don't tell my wife. But you're you're it. Um, no, right I mean, Gene's <laughs> Journal is a great. I mean, it's one of those great things that we got to do, and and of course play for those people who don't know. Um, you know, Gene's Journal is sort of what we call the the big Roddenberry secrets, the, uh, uh, you know, the unleashing of the largest um, secret in all of science fiction, which was that uh, Gene Roddenberry was not truly the visionary and creative genius he, uh, he you know, is, is seen to be, but instead, in fact, as a young boy, he was um, taken and uh, abducted by aliens 
and all of the <laughs> genius that came out of him later in life was truly just inspired by real events and uh there's a great web comic that's currently in uh in development for television but um it's, it's oh. a fantastic thing to do and you know it, yeah i mean again gene just gives us such a great playground to play in with everything that we do um because he gave us a roadmap. he kind of you know he, whether it be him or the way he created science fiction and the void that it was able to fill in the world of science fiction um, and fantasy uh, has been really a tremendous gift to us. And um, I think you'll see his journey and the journey that, that Rod, you know, his son has had to take in learning him and learning about this legacy in Trek Nation. So we're really, really proud of it and so excited to share it with the world finally, finally. Uh, speaking of of the history that he did in the in the work, I have to ask because one of my favorite things he did was Quester tapes, and mm. I saw that you were part of working on doing a reboot of that. <gasps> is that happening? <laughs> yeah, see that he didn't hear the gasp. This is great. Welcome Pause to Fangirl Radio. Was, this is what we do. That was very dramatic. I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you know. <laughs> This is what you know, we do. Gene, Gene has, um, you know, one of the, uh, you know, I'm like on like what number 97. One of the number 90, 97 things that Gene gave us um, is is uh, Quester tapes, um, and a lot of ideas that he had left behind that have yet to be sort of unearthed, and that were some of many of which were ahead of their time as Gene tended to be. Um, the Quester tapes is a fantastic story that we. Uh, definitely saw kind of been re-looking at all the things that um, didn't quite get out there as, as largely as we think they should have, that we saw and said, you know what, this is as relevant today as it would have been when Gene created, and this is something that could be evolved for today's audience and still be really meaningful. It was a two-hour television um, uh, movie of the week at the time, and it didn't get picked up for... Uh, a continued series, and we really believe in it. And, um, you know, a while back we were able to team up with Imagine Entertainment to see if we might be in Quester back. And uh, we're currently, you know, figuring out the way that's going to be done because it, we really feel like, of course, it has to be done in a very Roddenberry way. You know, you don't want to end up with, you know, the Quester tapes that's going to remind you of Terranova. Right. Uh, we don't want to be reminded of yeah. Terranova. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Well, don't worry. You can turn it every week. You can be reminded of it still. So, you know, for uh, right now. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, if, if for anybody out there who doesn't know what, what uh, Quester is, it's, it's about an android um, who ends up kind of awakening in this world of human beings and not understanding his purpose, not understanding, um, you know, uh, what his... Um, making is of and where he comes from and has sort of one singular understanding or objective, which is to find his maker. And, uh, you know, for any of you who can go find it, black market, black market um, you know, you can see what Gene originally created a long time ago, and I think you'll see um, that it's definitely something that could be a fantastic show today, and, and we believe that, of course, and that's why uh, we're developing it. I actually have the original paperback Wow! Yeah, the the old That's old. It's, it's it's like that went back when paperbacks were like ninety six cents or something, and yeah. I still have it, and it's in still in still good shape too. 
So I was wow. like very excited. Yeah. yeah. I was very that's, excited. That's great. Like, that's great. Yeah. I had a crush on Robert Forrest Foxworth back in the day. <laughs> What's really funny is I was just telling somebody the other day, because we were watching The Naked Now for some reason, and I was telling them, you know, if we hadn't had the Quester tapes, we would have never had that episode of Star Star Trek Next Generation. And so I, I, I'm rather fond of it. It's yeah, kind of, oh, yeah, with I, Data. I that's... I, I, yeah, I assume you guys know that sort of Data was sort of the... the second imagination, if you will, of Quester right. himself. Oh, totally. but, um, of course, where Gene kind of um, started um, the idea that eventually became one of the best and most loved TNG uh, characters of all time. So, but, And I think it's, you know, for, for, family, for a family show like that, we, we, we mentioned Terra Nova. You know, my coworker was saying he watches Terra Nova, even though it's not his favorite show, just because there are so few fantasy sci-fi shows oriented that his kid can watch. So they have an evening ritual where they watch Terra Nova and then they go to Netflix and they watch Star Trek and they're watching it all the way through. His kid's eight and is just, and loves it. It's his favorite thing. So yeah, no, I, I, I think that, you know, there, there really isn't um, a lot of sort of bridging the gaps between um, what is for mature adults and what is for children these days. And I think... You know, Terra Nova does do that, of course, and it's a, you know, great adventure, and I'm sure that for certain young, you know, people who are looking up, I mean, you know, I know people, uh, of course, who, who love, um, you know, the new Star Wars, um, which is really hard for me because I grew up <laughs> which Star Wars. Think we won't talk about that either. <laughs> yeah, but no, truth be told, you know, if I were, you know, an 11-year-old kid, right. you know, it's hard to know what I would think of it then, and I think that Terra Nova might be the same for some people, at least, because... Um, you know, you're just your your expectations are different, and uh, you know your knowledge is different. So um, it's, it's a good entry maybe point. In ways. It's but a I good think, entry point into into sci-fi. I think bringing something back, something like Quest or something in the Star Trek family. Uh, I mean, that was one of the beautiful things to me is it was something my whole family could watch. My dad, the literature snob, right down to to me who just liked watching you know aliens and things blow up you know and there's so little of that and it stands the test of time we can all watch it <laughs> I mean it's all we watch on Netflix and um, I, and I, it, when you said you looking into developing um, Jean's journal I mean that I would watch that I would watch that, that would be <laughs> that would be amazing that would be, we have we have one we've got there, one there you go uh, you right. know what I would say is have that be that would be a great little like three minute in between for like the science channel or discovery or something like that too for like little a uh, little that's what you clip. do with Rod Perry. <laughs> oh, there you go. Hey, there you go. Um, yeah, I did... no, I mean, go ahead, please. Oh, I was gonna ask. Um, uh, with with um, Majel's contribution which is massive to all of this. I just wanted mm-hmm. to see what kind of, of, you know, what you speak to about her in the, in the, in the documentary, because she was such it, a big yeah. part of it all. It's such a, it's such a great question. And Majel, you know, who, uh, unfortunately we lost, you know, um, only a, a little while ago, uh, was a fantastic woman. Um, and a really important part of the entire Roddenberry legacy. And, and, you know, she was always right there next to Gene um, during uh, the times that they were together, and and after his death, continued uh, to really be the matriarch of the family um, and uh, and of the of the business. Um, uh, unfortunately, I would say that to tell the story of such a dynamic and complex woman 
and her relationship with both Jean and Rod would almost be its own documentary. <laughs> and we found that out while filming, by the way, that, you know, as much great stuff as we heard from her and that we learned about her relationship with Rod, we started to realize that when we weaved it in, you know, in editing and things like that, and, and you know, we've had so many people take a crack at that to see how it can work in, um, it was just too hard to say, okay, we're going to just, t- you know, talk about that a little bit and then move on to something so, you know, like Jean, um, because she really does deserve her own documentary from that standpoint. And because of that, you know, she's not in it as much about um, about herself as she is sort of commenting on Rod and Jean and helping Rod to some extent understand his father from obviously a person who knew him, you know, perhaps the best. Aww. She was an amazing woman. I, I, I absolutely loved her. So I'm, I'm glad she's in there for sure. And I definitely say do a part two for this with her because, you know, everyone loved Majel. <laughs> well, if we can get enough people, we're really hoping that, of course, the people uh, turn out to watch it uh, on the 30th um, and, uh, and take a look at it because uh, our hope is that the feedback and then the ratings and all the stuff, you know, of course, that matters um, when it comes to the business side of things are high enough that we can continue um, you know, somehow we have so much, you know, extra footage and, and so much more that we could do in this area. It'd be fantastic to somehow continue the project, of course. And we and love this, it. And oh, go ahead, Rachel. I was going to say it's on, going to be on the on uh, Science, formerly the Science Channel Discovery Station, on um, the 30th, correct? Yes, yeah, the 30th, and it's at 8 p.m. So uh, if you're on the East Coast, if you're on the West Coast, it doesn't really matter. They made it as simple as possible for you. 8 p.m. no matter where you live. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's a good thing. There you thing. go. To heck with the space-time continuum. We'll have it at 8 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's the Cliff Notes version there. Whatever, you know, whatever, eight, wherever you live, doesn't matter. 8, 8 p.m. to hell with the space-time continuum, anywhere you are <laughs> on the <laughs> science <laughs> network. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. Well, Trevor, I, I think we've 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 ran out of time. Unfortunately, we don't have a wormhole. We can't go back and and change this and make it longer. But I want to thank you so much, you and Rod and everyone there, at the Roddenberry um, group. Just thank you for all the contributions you guys have done. You, the things you're doing with with the stem cell research and giving with the foundation, and especially making this documentary so people can see just how amazing this this family and this series has is and what it has given to history and everyone. I mean, like government science all of it it's it's touched so many parts of of the world and uh, i want to just thank you guys for doing this and and for coming on the show and talking to us about it it's 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 a great well, thank you you are really really welcome there's no way i could say you're welcome to all of those things enough um it's just a, a pleasure for us and a privilege for us to continue it we hope that everybody continues to take a look at all the various things we're doing whether it be the foundation or the roddenberry dive team or, you know, the comic book series that we put out or the web comics that you talked about. It's all really uh, in homage and in the legacy of what Gene created so that we can make sure that we're doing well by his name. So at the end of the day, you know, check it out on the 30th. You'll learn a lot more about Star Trek and Gene from a perspective you've never seen before. And again, it's on science on the 30th, 8 p.m., and uh, check out Roddenberry.com and all the other stuff we're doing as well because I think they'll be really excited about what's coming and what the next generation Roddenberry holds. Wonderful. And Rach, Very do you awesome. have anything 
Do you have anything left to say? Nope. Just thank you and, you know, live long and prosper, y'all. Thanks for having me on the y'all. show. Y'all. Suddenly it goes live long and prosper. Then we hit the brand. You know why? Because, because I'm the live long and prosper. I have to get, you know, my Nimoy, my my bro, my Jubro in there. But um, you also have to get the y'all in homage to Jessica, the queen fangirl. She's covering all bases. She's That's covering right. all bases. <laughs> <laughs> all inclusive when it comes to Star Trek and Roddenberry. That's right. <laughs> Everything is all in one. Yes, it's all one. It's all one world. We are well, one. Well, thank you all. Thank you all so much for <laughs> joining us here. And yes, please do live long and prosper. And be sure to watch Trek Nation on the Science Network November 30th at 8 p.m. Anywhere you are, 8 p.m. And uh, support the Roddenberry Foundation and all the great work they do. Also, I think they sell dive suits that look like Star Trek uniforms. Is that right? Oh, yes. <laughs> We did make some dive suits. Rod is a fanatic diver, and uh, we did make some dive suits. But, you know, be careful if you choose the red one. <laughs> That's oh, right, that, yeah. And go sharky. Yes, don't go out to the sharks in the red. Your history. <laughs> You're done. There you go. And a guy in blue. Just, yeah. Well, thank no, you so done. much. <laughs> thanks for the honor. It's been awesome. Oh, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. And, and thanks for bringing light to a project that we, uh, you know, have been working hard on for a long time. And uh, really hope that people enjoy as much as we enjoyed making it. Yeah, and hopefully you guys can come back on and uh, whenever you get the sequel made. Cause, and, and if Quester happens, we definitely have to have you on. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you know, please keep in touch. We uh, love the stuff you guys do and are glad you guys are on the radio. So, um, you know, enjoy the magazine and all that stuff. Enjoy the radio. And, uh, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, please drop us a line and invite us back. Oh, yeah. We'll do. Thanks, man. Thank you so much, Trevor. We All appreciate right. it. Take care. Have a good one. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Man, we are woefully out of time, Miss Jessica Hickmaster. <laughs> I know, I know. But like we said... Uh, we got to go! We got to get go. out of here. We got to go. Um, but remember, on the Science Network, November Just 30th, 8 p.m., the science! He blinded me with the Science Network at 8 p.m. on the 30th. The science! They rebranded! <laughs> 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 but be sure to catch it. Support Star Trek. Support Roddenberry Foundation. Go to Roddenberry. I believe it's Roddenberry.com. Give them a look. See the great things they're doing. And thank you once again. Live long and prosper. Engage, Mr. Todd. 